Well, well, well. Who said there wouldn't be anything to talk about heading into the Pittsburgh Penguins season coming off of Stanley Cup win number four, the fourth in franchise history? Because this week, wow, it has been intriguing. And just when you thought we were just going to barrel towards the banner raising ceremony on Thursday without much to talk about other than maybe rubbing the Washington Capitals' noses in the fact that they were one of the teams that lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins en route to the Stanley Cup, we have Sidney Crosby. We have Mike Condon coming on board. We have so much going on around this team now, and it just wasn't that way a couple weeks ago, or even a week ago, or even this weekend. It is Brian Metzer. I am back. We are back here with the Pittsburgh Penguins podcast over at timesonline.com. And uh, sorry if you just heard some crackling. I had to adjust these headphones. They've been sitting in mothballs now for four months. No, three months. We did this all the way up through July. And, uh, you know, it's just weird. you got to get your feet back under you. Just the way the team does, just the way the guys do when they're coming back and getting ready for the season. we got to do that here, too, with uh, the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. With And that goes for all of our work over at timesonline.com, etc. It's not easy to just pick up and start again. you got to get you got to get going. So we're going to get you taken care of in terms of all all the news and notes you need, some some uh, insight on what's going on with Crosby, the goaltending controversy, the trip to the White House that the Penguins took. I had a couple things I wanted to say about that and much, much more, including some of your favorite things such as news of the weird, questions that you guys submitted on Twitter, which this year we have a hashtag. I'd like you to use BCT Pens Pod whenever you submit it, when you submit a uh, question to the podcast, just so I can easily find them, sort them, uh, because at times they get buried in just notifications, etc. Sometimes folks uh, direct message them, and you can still do that, but just make sure you send it with that hashtag, BCT Pens Pod, and we'll get it answered and taken care of for you. But just uh, it, it's exciting to start the hockey season again with a Stanley Cup win under the team's belt. And uh, let's see if they can't do it again to become the first team to take care of that business, back-to-back, that is, since the 97-98 Detroit Red Wings. And um, you can read all about and a little bit of an analysis that I did uh, on that Detroit Red Wings team that won in 97-98 over at timesonline.com. I believe it's available for you as you're listening to this. And there we go. I always have my sound on, and you hear the bing. It sounds like uh, another famous... Uh, journalist slash broadcaster in Pittsburgh whenever they're bragging about their uh, their big their big stuff and tapping themselves on the back they always have that little chime that goes off uh, anytime they want to toot their own horn we don't do that here it's just a mistake whenever I have it happen but let's uh, let's get into some news and notes here about the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby specifically because that's the big news that's the thing that has people worked up and worried here because you know the the captain he is the most important facet of this team. And if you read my coverage in the paper today at timesonline.com or in the print edition, etc., you'll see that a lot of what I talk about really hinges on Sidney Crosby. I mean, this guy over the last 10 months has done some spectacular things. This is a player that is, there's no one like him in the National Hockey League. You're going to see lots of experts try and tell you that Connor McDavid is the guy now and he's going to start to take over and he's going to be, um, just generally speaking, the face of the National Hockey League. Now, I'm not going to tell you that's not the case in a couple years here or at some point down the line, but come on. The, the, you know, Connor McDavid's got a long way to go before he becomes Sidney Crosby. Yes, he's all-world. He's a very talented player, but you have Sidney Crosby right now 
who just over this past 10 months that I just told you about, he finished last year as one of the leading scorers in the National Hockey League. And if Patrick Kane didn't have that obscene scoring streak, Sid would have passed him too, just like as he jumped over so many other players en route to catching up to Patrick Kane. Um, he goes into the playoffs. He scores six goals, three game-winning goals, 13 assists, one of which set up the Stanley Cup-winning goal scored by Chris Letang. Just everything this guy touched turned to gold. And speaking of that, he goes then on, well, he wins the MVP of the playoffs, first of all, in the uh, in the form of the Conn Smythe Trophy. Then he goes on to play for Team Canada in the World Cup of Hockey. All he does there is roll up 10 points in six games, name the MVP of the tournament, and route to leading Canada to a World Cup of Hockey victory. So it just I think that speaks to the importance of Sidney Crosby. Connor McDavid's team, North America, no knock on those guys. They were exciting, a lot of fun to watch. They went home, didn't even make the medal round. And that's with, uh, you know, an overload of first and second overall draft picks, tons of talent, tons of speed. Austin Matthews was also there this year's first overall pick. But that doesn't mean he did, he wasn't impressive over there. But this was the Sidney Crosby show. And this season was supposed to be the Sidney Crosby show. That's why it was so scary, if you will. I mean, I, there's no other way to say this. If you are a Penguins fan, the news on Monday about Sidney Crosby being diagnosed with a concussion. And whoops, there it is, the C word. I know I said it once earlier, but uh, it's not something you want to talk a lot about. You don't want to say concussion. Because with Sid, that is bad juju. There's some bad connotations, bad history. It goes back to the 2011 season where you saw Sid at one point miss something like 61 straight games. He he missed a big chunk of the 11 season in the second half after the Winter Classic. Comes back the next year, gets knocked out of action again. Finally comes back and starts to look like himself and then this happens. Now I will say, I'm not going to speculate about whether this came up in any way other than what the team said. The team is saying it happened to sit in, in practice on Friday. That could be a little, that could be a little Yahoo about that. I don't know. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to call anybody a liar here. But when you, when you look at the body language, you look at some things, I think there's a little, a little sleight of hand going on. But we'll take them at their word because we don't want to, uh, what else are we going to go on? If it was from the World Cup of Hockey, I think we would have known about it already. So I don't I don't know. There's something a little strange here. Now, I did want to mention, though, um, Sidney Crosby, he finally met with the media today. Now, this news broke on Monday. We heard from Mike Sullivan, and uh, he, he talked about it. And the best quote that he put out there, and this is the way we all should look at it, he, and he used the sports cliche of the century. It is what it is. Injuries are part of our game. Part of the challenge for us is to help Sid get as healthy as quickly as possible or to get as healthy as quickly as possible, and that's what we're going to do. We don't look at any. We don't look at it any other way. Now, here's the line of lines. For me, at this point, frustration is a useless emotion. I like that. Mike Sullivan is always full of these gems, and uh, I think he's right. You can't get frustrated. You got to move forward. You know, you have a season that starts in mere days. Uh, Thursday, it's going to start. So. Um, I think the team's ready. I just don't know that they can offset the loss of Sidney Crosby. Now, here's the good part of this, though. Sid, when he met with the media on Tuesday, he said that uh, all told, you know, he, he said, I feel pretty good. I was happy to skate today because he skated on Tuesday and he, and he went hard by all accounts. Everybody was saying that, um, you know, even off the ice, he had a swagger about him. He was he was being himself. And uh, it, it's one of those things where you just have to assume that Sidney Crosby is maybe 
not near as concussed or as bad off as he was the first time around or the first two times around that he dealt with this. But he said that what happened was he woke up on Saturday morning and he didn't feel great. That Those are his words. And he said, I got tangled up in practice on Friday and didn't really think anything of it. And Saturday, I didn't feel great. Having been down this road before, I talked to the trainers and they felt that it was best to keep me out and to just go through the protocol. Now, I will say... I, think, I believe it was Jim Colony from the fan, uh, Radio 93.7, who asked Sidney Crosby about if he could identify when this happened, if he could identify when the concussion occurred. And uh, he said just what the team did. I think everybody, because I think the team made a statement, it happened Friday, and he said, well, do you know when? Well, Sid didn't want any part of that. He, he tiptoed around it the same way everybody else is, and that's why there's always mystery. And I don't know why, and I've said this before in la- last season, if you guys were familiar or, or remember listening to me on this show, I don't know why you need to be your own worst enemy. Why are you just I, – I know you can't just throw all your cards on the table when it comes to an injury, specifically when it's about somebody like Sidney Crosby. I mean, this guy's the face of the National Hockey League. you got to keep a little bit of it under wraps. But at the same time, when you start doing these things where it just it just sounds a little disingenuous, that's when people start to get frustrated, useless emotion, that uh, and get worried about the situation. But I will say, Sid seems to be pretty far along in the recovery. It wasn't a very bad situation. And who knows? Maybe this is one of those things like... Um, you know, like we're dealing with with the with the Steelers when they sign their free agent tight end, and he's trying to say it's sinuses and all this other stuff. Maybe there's a little bit of a head cold going on. The weather's been bad. I know I have a head cold. I probably sound like I do. It, that, those kinds of things can make you get a bad headache. You can come in, and if it does follow a weird collision and or elbow or anything else that you see on the ice or happen on the ice, it could turn into more. Now, here's my concern, though. We we do have a situation here in Pittsburgh where you still have a good 1B option in Evgeny Malkin. Now, as you may have seen in a piece I wrote, which one of my um, biggest fans on Twitter called embarrassing, which I I take that to heart. It it meant a lot. Anytime I can write something that is called embarrassing, I will say that means it was uh, a polarizing piece and a differing opinion that you may have been expecting to hear. That means we, we're doing our jobs here. And all I said was that I don't believe that a 30-year-old Evgeny Malkin, who's been injured in almost every season for the past three to five years, is capable of doing the same things that he did nine years ago when Sidney Crosby went out with a high ankle sprain. Five years ago when Sidney Crosby went out with his concussions. Gino tends to rise to the occasion in those spots and become an all-world player. And his last scoring title, incidentally, came when he was filling in for Sidney Crosby. Put up 100 points, put up 50 goals, wins the scoring title, wins an MVP. I just don't know that this version of Evgeny Malkin, and that's no knock on Gino. This is a guy that's still an above-average player, still over a point-per-game guy, still very dangerous. I just don't know, and, and this breaks my heart to say it, because anybody that knows me, not just from Penguins coverage, but in life, knows that from the day the Penguins were even thinking about drafting this kid, he's been one of my favorite hockey players, somebody that I, you know, you don't often get to root for guys when you cover them, that's one guy I've rooted for his entire career, I've always liked what I've seen from him, I think he's a, a great personality, I think he's a great talent, but nature catches up to everybody, injuries catch up to everybody, and this version of Geno is not the same version 
that we just talked about that did all those great things. So that's going to be tough. We'll see how that plays out. But I do think there's a chance that, um, at least in the short term, if Sid only misses a handful of games here, this could be a very, st still a very solid situation. I think if Genny Malkin can handle that, and uh, the weight's going to fall on on his line, who he's paired up with Chris Kunitz. We all know that Cooney has had great success with Sidney Crosby. Well, he's also had success over his career with Evgeny Malkin. So we'll see how that goes. We also need to look at Scott Wilson, the youngster. He's going to be skating on the right wing with Evgeny Malkin. He looked great in their last preseason game. A goal and two assists. Went to the net hard. Gino found him, set him up. Uh, things work pretty well there. So I think that's a line that could really work and offset Sidney Crosby's loss for a period of time here. But you still got to just watch here. You don't want Gino to get himself injured or something. You can't have too much improvisation. You can't have too much of the the usual, uh, I guess, more recent year Gino stuff happening if you want to have some success here. So we don't, you know, the, the jury's still out. You can hate on my opinion about that if you like. And if you do, let me know about it. At Brian Metzer under, or at Brian underscore Metzer on Twitter, please look me up. Hit me with your opinion there, and we'll talk about it on the show next week. But for me, uh, I just I have some concerns. The weight also falls on the HBK line because they're back. They look great in the last preseason game as well. Carl Haglin had a breakaway. Phil Kessel had uh, some great scoring opportunities. Nick Benino scored a goal in the game that was disallowed due to goaltender interference. So I, I think that line can still be very effective and do some great work for the team. But none of them. This is the thing you got to get your head around. None of those guys. Not Matt Cullen, who's filling in between Connor Sheary and Patrick Hornquist, who, who are great players in their own rights as well. None of these guys are Sidney Crosby. None of them can do what Sidney Crosby can do. The team is not the same minus Sidney Crosby. And I know there's been times in the past couple of years where, yes, Sid wasn't necessarily Sid either. But you can't say that what you saw all in the second half of last season or since Mike Sullivan got to Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup playoffs, in the World Cup of Hockey, that you weren't expecting and anticipating and you know just just assuming Sidney Crosby would have a huge year and take, take his spot back at the top of the National Hockey League mountain. So th those are my concerns about that. But I will say, based on what I hear, what I see, what uh, Sid himself has said, I, I get the, the feeling here that maybe this is not something that's going to be significant. Knock on a big piece of wood. Let me find a piece of wood here somewhere. Uh, I think I have it. Yep, there it was. We, we we don't want to take any chances with this because we do know the history. Now, let's give Gino some props here. Here's what he had to say about it. He met the media on Tuesday, and he said, when Sid doesn't play, everyone takes more power. That's Gino's way of saying they've got to take over more when he's out. Not playing 100%, but playing 110%. We know how we can play better without Sid, but we can play better without Sid. Now, I don't know exactly what he means by that. That's Gino. But he does say, it's our leadership. We have great teammates and a great leadership group here with Kunitz, Latang, myself. We know how to play without Sid. He also goes on to say, though, it's a little bit tough when he's talking about Sid's concussion history. He's just like us. He knows what Sid's been through. And he said, we know his history. But he skated. It's a good sign. I hope everything's good. We know how tough Sid is and how he loves to play, and he loves to be here with his teammates. I hope he's not out a long time. But Evgeny Malkin, he also talked a lot about how he, he, he stepped up in Sid's absences in the past. Let's just hope he can do that again because it's going to be very important that he do so. He's the guy that's really going to have to carry the load. And you heard him mention Chris Letang. Now, in my coverage about the, the concussion and some other things, I didn't mention Chris Letang, and I should have. 
that's something that probably I dropped the ball on because we all, you know, if you've watched Chris Letang play at any point over the past, since about November of last year, I don't understand how he didn't win a Norris Trophy this year. I will tell you, he got my vote. Well, he came, he was in my number two vote because I went with Eric Carlson still because Latang did have that ugly beginning of the season. But there were people that didn't even have Chris Latang on their ballot. And I don't know how that's possible because he was outstanding. Scored the cup winning goal, plays 30 minutes a night, uh, turned a bad plus minus situation under Mike Johnston uh, around under Mike Sullivan and was an all-world defenseman. So I think Chris Letang is a guy that's also going to be very, very important in offsetting the loss of Sidney Crosby. Uh, one thing I do want to point out, we talked about some of the other lines here, and I, there's some specific topics I want to hit on, but uh, these are the lines we'll probably see unless something happens uh, just ahead of the game on Thursday night. It looks like Connor Sheary, Matt Cullen, and Patrick Hornquist are going to play together. I mentioned them already. Gino with Kunitz and Wilson. Nick Benino, Haglin Kessel, the HBK line. And then the last line, the fourth line, you'll see Tom Sestito, Eric Fair moving back to the middle, and Tom Kunockel. That's, that's going to be a good line, I think, because Sestito, everybody wonders about him. He had a very effective camp, and I'm going to wait on talking about him a little bit because I know that uh, we have a question about him uh, that I want to hit before the end of the show. But Eric Fair at center, I think he's better at center than he is on the wing, even though he played wing pretty extensively en route to the winning the Stanley Cup with the Penguins. But he did a, uh, a very nice job, uh, you know, playing the center position. It's something he wanted to do. He talked a lot about wanting to do that when he came to Pittsburgh. He didn't want to play wing as often as he, as he did in Washington, and he'll get that chance now with this injury. Now, uh, there's been a – well, let's tell you real quick the, the defensive pairings before we talk goaltending. Dumlin's going to play with Latang, and I think Brian Dumlin's really earned that job. I think he'll be fine in that capacity. Ollie Matta with Trevor Daly. Both guys had their injuries and ups and downs last season in terms of their health, with Daly breaking his ankle in the playoffs. Daly early in the year before he got to Pittsburgh wasn't the player he was here. And Ollie Matta, we know he's not necessarily been the guy that was an all-world rookie just two years ago. So I think that that's a little bit of a wild-card pairing. But it's one that I have high hopes for and one that I'm, I'm hoping to be pretty impressed by this season. And then last but not least, you have Ian Cole with Justin Schultz, who, if you didn't know, opted to come back and sign another deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's good news for the team. Uh, the reserves are going to be Derek Pouliot. I know I'm wondering why, too. I mean, <laughs> that, that, I just I was very surprised to see the Penguins send David Warsawski down. You're probably just, you know, scratching your head. I know I am. Uh, Warsawski had a much better camp than Derek Pouliot, but they want to see what they have in Pouliot, see if it's an asset they need to move or what they're going to do there. Now, you may have seen that on Tuesday, the Penguins made a move in acquiring another goaltender. They snagged Mike Condon on the waiver wire from the Montreal Canadiens. He signed through the end of 16-17. It's a one-way contract. It's going to pay him $575,000. Condon's 26 years old. He handled a ton of the net-minding duties for the Canadiens last year because um, he uh, was forced to play 51... or Sorry, he had 51 of his career games played last year because of the injury to um, Carey Price. He was out of the lineup with his lower body injury, so Condon was really pressed into action. He went 21-25-6. Not too bad because Montreal was wretched, wretched in front of him. They just were not a good team, and uh, it's amazing how bad they looked without Carey Price. 
However, um, yeah, he did a nice job for them when he was forced into action, but they waived him. But here's the thing. Six foot two, 197 pounder, big kid, catches with his left hand. And uh, I think that you're going to, the reason they did this, and this was exactly what the team talked about in making the move. They sent Tristan Jari down, even though he didn't allow a goal in the preseason, because they want him to play. Mike Sullivan said as much. He said, we think that it's in Tristan's best interest that he plays. As a young goaltender, we're ecstatic with the training camp that he had. He came into training camp in extremely good shape. He played extremely well in the opportunities that he's been given. We're thrilled with the progress that he's made, but we also feel that in order for him to continue with his development, it's in his best interest not to sit behind Mark, but to actually get into games. That's why Mike Condon's here, because... um, you probably, if you didn't already, go check out my piece uh, talking about Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury and what might happen when Murray comes back from injury. You'll see that I anticipate Marc-Andre Fleury playing pretty much every game in October. And uh, there's nine games, six at home. And then you have a situation where there's the first back-to-back on, uh, I believe it's November 4th and 5th, a Friday, Saturday. That's the first time they really need to have a goaltender play an extra game. And uh, that's the one that'll be interesting to watch. So we'll see how how they do use their goaltending rotation. But that's a spot where um, that's why he's here. They know he can play a game in spot duty if need be. And it's going to be an intriguing thing to just see if he keeps a job here when Matt Murray comes back. And maybe that allows him, if he starts to, to really take off, maybe they feel more comfortable in making a move to trade one of their goaltenders, which is the other elephant in the room here. Because Marc-Andre Fleury, Matt Murray... Both would be eligible for the expansion draft next summer. That's what everybody's talking about. But Jim Rutherford says he has a plan to keep both guys. They don't want to give one up. And I'm very intrigued to see how that comes out in the wash this summer. But uh, once Murray comes back, I don't know that you're going to see him immediately get thrust into the into the number one role if Marc-Andre Fleury is sitting with a pretty effective record through October and the early part, portion of November. So we'll see, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, it's going to be an intriguing goaltending situation that is for sure and um, it's a question that everybody's asking but it's one that I think is not going to need to be addressed in full until the early parts of November so uh, that's when Matt Murray is slated to come back and that's when uh, everything is probably going to happen with him a couple other things that we did want to get to here before we get you on the way here since we're already 20 minutes into this which I can't believe uh, you you Saw probably already that the Penguins are having their final Stanley Cup celebrations as they get ready for the banner raising on Thursday night. Got their rings on Monday evening. Many of the staffers with the organization got their rings as well. You'll see that probably filtering out through your social media. And boy, uh, I, I don't want to, I wouldn't advertise that I had that ring in my home if I had one. You're just asking for burglars, I think, because someone could probably pay off their mortgage with it. But uh, they seem to be giving them out like candy. Everyone got one. And uh, it was fun times to be had by all. But they will have the banner-raising ceremony on Thursday. They met the president last week. I talked to Phil Bork about his memories of meeting President Bush back in 1992 the other night. He said he had a blast, except he was a little disappointed that they were forced to be outside. They had to stand in the Rose Garden whenever they did uh, their meeting with the president. And they waited a while, too, because he thought that if his, re- if his memory was correct, President Bush was on the phone with the chancellor of Germany and held up their meeting. So they stood in the sun and were roasting in their suits. And some of those guys had corduroy jackets on, it looked like to me, because I, I found an old photograph. There's a great upper deck hockey card featuring Borky, 
all the other penguins in President Bush. And if you miss this, you may you may not even know this if you're a younger Penguins fan. But Borky still gets a kick out of the fact that as Mario Lemieux walks up to give President Bush his jersey and and uh, a replica Stanley Cup and all these things that they had for him, President Bush said, "And you are." And Mario had to introduce himself, so uh, he he wasn't aware of who he was. It seemed like uh, President Obama took a little bit more time to get up to date and up to speed on the Pittsburgh Penguins because he was quick to point out that Phil Kessel was a Stanley Cup champion. And uh, that's always one of the final fun things a team does before they get ready for the competition of a new season where everybody is going to be looking to gun for the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously. So we'll see how that all uh, we'll see how that all works out here in the coming weeks. I have a couple quick Twitter questions I want to get to. We'll get you news of the weird. And then your first show of the season will be a wrap. Uh, let's look at those those questions here. And the first one was our old buddy. You know he always comes through every single show, and we appreciate it. It's uh, our one guy we can count on. And you can get your question in, too. Before I even say his name, get your questions in moving forward with the hashtag BCT Pens Pod, but it's our buddy Needles Heel, and he said it hasn't been done in over 20 years. So here's the obvious question: Will the Penguins repeat as Cup champs? Well, I did in my predictions. I'm sure you saw the predictions in the paper today. If you didn't, please go check them out. I believe that the Penguins, if they're healthy and if Sidney Crosby is in the fold, have as good a chance as anybody of going on to win a back-to-back Stanley Cup for the first time since '97, '98. Uh, I did pick them to do that. I did not pick them, however, to win the Metropolitan Division. I gave that hat tip to the Washington Capitals because they're, in my estimation, going to be a better regular season team, as they always are, because, you know, regular season championships mean a lot to that organization. But uh, yes, Chris, I do think that the the Penguins have a very good chance to do it, and I did pick them to do so in my um, official predictions that are available at timesonline.com and the Beaver County Times print edition. Uh, We have a couple other questions here. Our buddy John Rutter, he asked so many questions. He said, Pouliot and Sestito making the team, Condon signing, Condon signing, there was a heck of a slip, Condon signing just to give Jari more time in the uh, Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Well, you heard me talk about Condon already. I think you're spot on with that. And for Pouliot and Sestito, well, first, Pouliot, he didn't earn a spot on the team, in my opinion. I, I, what I saw from him in camp was vintage Derek Pouliot, and that says to me that he should be down on the farm. But he came in in peak condition. Uh, the kid was almost unrecognizable in terms of shedding some weight and getting himself into top playing uh, condition. So we'll see if that turns into some better performance on the ice. I thought he was bad in the chances he got whenever he was given penalty killing time. Didn't do much with the power play time that he got. So I think that at some point they're hoping that he catches uh, catches fire enough to maybe intrigue an opposing general manager. Because that's one thing about puck-moving defensemen. Every general manager in the league thinks, I can fix that guy. So they're probably thinking the same thing about Derek Pouliot. So we'll see if uh, they find a new home for him. As for Tom Sestito, I know you don't really think you need a big guy or a goon. And uh, I don't think he'll fill that role on this team. He doesn't need to. He will if he has to. But he was going to the net hard. He He showed some better hands than probably people gave him credit for during the preseason slate. And he was all over the place. So I liked what I saw from Tom Sestito. This is probably more of throwing a bone to a guy who really earned a job more than anything else. I'm not sure he'll stick long-term because after a week or so of Sidney Crosby isn't necessarily ready to come back, I think you might see them go with a Josh Archibald 
a Jake Gensel or a Carter Rowney because those guys give you a little bit more offensive upside. And in the cases of Gensel and Rowney, both can play wing or center. And those are spots that the Penguins are going to need to offset a little bit. And, um, you know, it's it's fun to debate all of these things and to get this stuff in. And we got to get the brew mom question in. This came into uh, brew is my the brew mom is my co-parent with cat Bruce, who you probably see on my social media all the time. And the question was, will I see Mets again before June? I certainly hope so, because uh, uh, it's going to be a busy hockey season, as it always is. But I will be around quite a lot, and uh, I will be there to co-parent the cats, Bruce and Annie now. If you haven't seen her, we have her on social media as well. A uh, three-legged baby that was adopted just a couple months ago. But also, is it time to bring in a voodoo priest? And I didn't get context on this, but I assume it is about injuries and, sadly, things that happened at Consol Energy Center, which is now long gone. We have PPG Paints Arena, which I didn't even talk about here on the show. Consol Energy Center is no more. It is now PPG Paints Arena, in case you missed that. But uh, I would like to think winning a cup in that building uh, and doing some of the good things that happened just in the last year, clinching series there, etc., are going to make a big difference in eradicating any ill will or bad vibes that may have existed there. So maybe we'll hold off on Voodoo Priest, but it could be something that will be needed down the line. All right, news of the weird time. And uh, and then we'll get you off to the races here. This story's a little bit old. It's a few days old now. But I've just been intrigued by it because it's one of those things that it's just repulsive to look at. And that is tight end Jared Cook says he found, and this is a National Football League player for the Packers, he said he found a chicken head in his order of wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. And if you haven't seen this photo, it is just completely nasty. And if you didn't know better, you would think it was a wing. Because it looks wingish on the left, but on the right, it's a chicken head. And uh, he said he found the head last Tuesday as he was at home eating a carryout order from Buffalo Wild Wings. And he said Friday, waited till Friday to hit social media with this. But he was eating his first wing when he saw the head and immediately spit the food out. Now, I don't know. I, I'd have to ask myself, am I going to spit my food out? I mean, the head, it's all been cooked. I know it's sickening and you don't want to have your food looking at you with a, you know, a burned out ghost eye. But at the same time, you just pay good money for wings. And I would not have thrown my chicken wings away. Well, I probably would have. I'm acting like a big shot now because I didn't have a chicken head in my food. But at the same time, it's something that is very repulsive. Um, He, he's, I just wanted to share that story. If you didn't see it, I'm not going to get into all his quotes and everything because he's just talking about how he it's one of his favorite foods and he can't give it up because, you know, of a chicken head. He's going to go back and eat more chicken wings. But check it out just to see the picture of the uh, the ghostly, poor, poor cooked chicken head. And that was your news of the weird. It's just like a weird thing. We'll kick the season off that way. We'll have a better story story for you by next week. But all of that said, check out all of our coverage timesonline.com and in the Beaver County Times. The preview is live on uh, today, I believe, because you're listening to this on Wednesday. It's all there for you at timesonline.com. It is in print. Uh, We cover the 97-98 Detroit Red Wings and how they went back-to-back in terms of winning Stanley Cups. I sort of did a little comparison looking at how the Penguins could be situated to do the same. We look at Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray. We look at the uh, three players that could have an impact this season, and I talk about. I won't. I won't tease the names here. You'd have to go and read to find out who I talked about. And also, uh, we give you three reasons why the team will win, three reasons why the team will lose, and we also, of course, give you the predictions that I just shared with you a moment ago. But with that, 
enjoy the banner raising ceremony in game one on Thursday night. Unfortunately, it's an 8 p.m. start, but that is the league's way. Why not make it hard on writers on the first game of the season? And we'll see you next week, so you better be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast.